Well, it's great to be with you this morning in this forum on Church Online. Welcome. Glad that you can join us. We are continuing a series today called the Good Life Series. There's been five messages. This is the last one. And we want to be able to wrap that up today. And it probably comes with a warning, actually, that this message has potential life-changing implications for you and for me. The truth that's declared by Jesus that he wants to give you this rich and satisfying life in. In John 10, 10, we see that declaration and we looked at that. It says, the thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so that's a powerful declaration from Jesus himself about his purpose for you and for me in this world and, and the life to come. And so we've been unpacking some of that and using Romans 14, 17 as a foundational verse to go, well, what is the good life? What does it look like to be in the kingdom of God, in the family of God? And I want to remind you of that verse. If you haven't seen it yet, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness or righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so... For five messages, this one being the last, we started at Easter time and we looked on Good Friday about the good life is actually costly. There's sacrifice involved and Jesus led the way there for us. We also looked at on Sunday and Easter that good life is, is a gift and with the question, where is your source of good? And then Keith Farmer looked at righteousness or goodness and really seeking first God's kingdom like that's at the heart of the good life. And then Andrew spoke last week on peace, a great message that kind of looks at God urgently, desperately wanting everyone and everything to be made right with him. And that's where our peace is. And it's an indicator of the good life. And today, the last in this series in the good life I want to explore joy. Joy. What is joy? It's, a, it's interesting. We hear that word lots. It's this tiny little word. But what would you say joy is? How would you describe it? What comes to mind when you think about joy? Is it the same of, as happiness? Or is it different? How is it different? Is it contentment? Is it pleasure? Is it bliss? How would you describe joy? Is the goal of life to be living in this joyous state 24-7 all the time? Like, it actually asks some pretty big questions. This one little word, joy, for me anyway, rises these questions to the surface that I'd love to explore with you today. And I want to explore a few questions. These are the questions. What is joy? How often can we live in joy? How do we really get it? And how does it make a difference to your life? And so let's dive in. Let's check some of this out. I want to ask you, what is, what is joy? Because as we look at the good life and out of that Romans verse where we look at you know, life in the kingdom of God, which is now in the family of God, is goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, those three words, goodness, peace and joy, three words, there's so much jam-packed in those words. And joy, three little letters, it's jam-packed with meaning. It's crazy. There's so much in joy. 
So much, in fact, it would be really hard to explore all of that today. Because there's so many aspects to joy. I don't know what you thought of when you thought of joy, but words that come to mind are things like delight and gladness and exhilaration and cheer and celebration. Yeah, and happiness is in there and probably so much more. Happiness is a part of joy, but you will see that joy is so much deeper. Happiness is really based on your circumstances. Joy isn't. Joy is available to you today, right now, this moment, regardless of your circumstances. It's powerful. Romans 14, 17, as we've looked at already, talks about joy in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it kind of gives it away there. There's the source of our joy. It's in God. It's in his spirit that's with his believers. But if, as we look at the definition of that and even go back to the kind of root definition of that verse and those words joy in the Holy Spirit, it's actually defined like this. It's defined about an awareness of God's grace, God's favor. And probably the best definition I've heard of joy is this, that joy is grace recognized. Grace recognized. When we recognize the grace of God in our lives, that's what brings us this deep joy that's inexplainable with words. It's a deep emotion. It's beyond language. And it's because we recognize God's Grace. It's really deep and it's really profound. It's being aware of God's grace, seeing God's grace, experiencing God's grace. And we can do that in ourselves. Like if you've had a revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, He died on the cross from you, rose from the dead, and you've invited Him into your life and to have His Spirit live with you. If you had a revelation of that truth and invited him into your life, you've seen salvation in your life. You've seen forgiveness. You've seen God's grace. You've recognized God's grace and it brings a deep joy. The problem is I can forget about that. We can see God working in your life. That's what grace is. God's active work in your life all around you every day. He's alive and active in his world. He's alive and active in your life. And when you see that, maybe through some provision, some way that God brings into your world, it's actually grace recognized and it brings this joy. You know, joy where you can't even speak sometimes. Powerful. And you know what? You can recognize grace in other people's lives. When you see God doing something in someone else's life, you know, the people around you, your family, your friends, or maybe people you're talking about, and you see breakthrough moments and revelations they have about God's grace, it just brings a joy to your spirit. Joy is grace recognized. Now, it's more than that, but for me, that's a foundational part of joy. Check this out. This is what I'm talking about in Romans 4, 7 to 9. It's actually quoting Psalm 32. It says this. It says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Can we just pause a moment on that verse right there, those couple of verses? Because if we can engage in that truth and understand that truth, 
and know that that's for you, that's for me, all because of Jesus, that's joy right there because that's grace recognised. Oh, what joy for you, for me, whose disobedience is forgiven. That your sins, my sins, are put out of sight by God as far as the east is from the west. And what joy for those whose record the Lord has cancelled, cleared of sin, pure, made right with him. Oh, that's grace recognised. That's joy. And I don't know what's going on in your, in your soul, in your spirit right now as you engage with that truth, but that's what I'm talking about. That's at the foundation of joy. And so my question for you when we go, what is joy? How can we engage with that as the truth, as a definition of joy and consistently be reminded that joy is grace recognized and we see it in our life? Have you ever been let off the hook for something? Or forgiven for something, like completely forgiven? How'd you feel? Because that's joy. You know, God has let you off the hook. Total forgiveness. Cleared of sin. And when you recognise that kind of grace in your life, that's joy. It's interesting, isn't it, when you just ask that question, what is joy? And when you look to God's word, it's powerful how it describes Joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, how often can you live in joy? <laughs> you can live in joy in any circumstance, really, because deep joy is grace recognised. But is the goal to actually live 24-7 in joy? Maybe. Probably. can happen. But I don't know about you, there's a dynamic in this world that's quite challenging. And... We look to scripture and we see this contrast. It's like another both and from another series we've done where Philippians 4, 4 would say, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And 1 Thessalonians 5 would say, always be joyful. And it's a great encouragement. And then 1 Peter 1, 6, it says, in all this you greatly rejoice. And the context of that was actually a discovery of the gospel. But it says, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And then Jesus' words himself was, uh, in this world you will have trouble. And so we've got this dynamic at work where we can have this, this suffering and challenge and grief and trials and temptations and all the things that come with life. And in the middle of all that, we still can have this deep joy, this grace recognised. You don't know about you, but maybe as a Christian... You may have felt that you have to put on this front, this, I don't know, maybe you felt a pressure to have to look like that you are living in joy all the time. And someone will ask you, you know, how are you going? Yeah, life's good. It's great and fantastic. I don't know about you, but I can't be fantastic all the time. I wish I could. And life's not great all the time. I wish it was. And then other people, you just hear their woes and there's like zero joy. It's quite a contrast. You know, even personally for me, this week was, was quite a stressful week. And I remember just early in the week, just sitting at my desk, just going, how on earth do I write a message on joy? How am I meant to write a message on joy? And so we've got this, this kind of dilemma there. Life can be really challenging 
and there can be some high stress moments where it gets in the red zone. Yet at the same time, this deep joy of grace recognized is available to you and me. So how often can we live in joy? Well, probably depends on, on how we respond in circumstances. But if a major aspect of joy is grace recognized, can I encourage you and myself to consistently center yourself in joy? To consistently, when things are getting out of control, to come back to grace recognized and understand the grace of God in your life, that that's powerful in any moment. And that can and will bring you back to this deep joy, even if things around you are pretty crazy. I want to encourage you today to keep coming back to joy. It's a powerful weapon that you can have in life that brings a deep joy in your spirit. To open your eyes to look up, to see God working in your life, to see God working in other people, to understand that you're completely forgiven, done deal, past, present, future, wiped of sin, powerful. And all this will center you on joy regardless of your circumstances. Now, you don't have to live long to understand that crazy things can happen. And some of the craziest times in my life, I've probably felt some of the deepest joy because... I can recognize grace in a moment and it's powerful. So can I encourage you to center yourself on joy? Joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you really get it? How do you do that? What, what, are, what are things that you can actually do that helps you and me recognize grace in the middle of any kind of aspect of life? You know, if you want to center your life on joy, on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit who's within you as a believer of Jesus, what are some of the practical ways from Scripture that you can actually do that? I want to share a couple with you. There's, there's many, but here's, here's a few that you might want to experiment with or have seen happen in your life already. And these are in no particular order, but one of them is music and song. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed songs that kind of capture your heart, especially when they're songs about God's truth? Powerful. I love this psalm, Psalm 33, 1. It says this. I love it. Release your heart's joy in sweet music to the eternal. And when the upright passionately sing glory-filled songs to him, everything is in its right place. Have you ever had that moment with music or song where you just, your time stands still in a way? I've had times where I could, I just come to tears and I can't even sing or, or talk because God's captured something in his truth. It's powerful. You know, on our website on Church Online, you'll see that we have a worship playlist and there's just some recommended songs to connect with that, that may help with that. But we've got a plethora of resources that we can actually engage that in us. So I'm probably preaching to the converted to many of you, but for lots of people, music and songs are a powerful way to center yourself on joy. And God's word, obviously, is another one. And Jeremiah gets it. Check out this verse in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. It says this, When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They were like my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. That's awesome. Are you devouring God's word? That will center you 
on joy. It's like you eat it, you take it deep in, it becomes part of you, you integrate it, you believe it, it changes your core beliefs, it changes your affirmations, it changes your self-talk, it aligns you with truth. That will centre you on joy regardless of anything that's going on in your world. You know, my personal hope in this time of isolation, in this coronavirus season, when we as a church can't gather as congregations, my hope is that that as people, as individuals, we learn if we haven't already to really lead ourselves well, to engage with God personally, to actually grab his word and integrate it and devour it and actually use this space as a great opportunity to lead ourselves, just us and God, having his Holy Spirit make his word come alive. You know, you would see on our website again, on our church online, there's a Bible plan. And in there are just passages out of a Sunday message that can equip you with just like, where, where can I read? Where can I go to? There's some great things there and even ways to journal on that. God's truth, his word will center you. It will enable you to recognize grace, which is actually the foundation of joy. And can I encourage you in that? My hope is that when we gather again as congregations, it'll be different. It'll be different in lots of ways. I'm sure it will. But one way is that that we will gather from a point of being filled up and we gather to celebrate. That we, there'll be no, I'm talking about the church in general, that, that, that we won't see people coming to consume or to get filled because we're already filled up because we've engaged in God's word in this season. Therefore, our gatherings are an overflow and we actually meet to celebrate and we meet for community. Anyway, that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that day. Another way is trust in God. That will actually center you on joy. Check this out in Romans 15, 13. It says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you could take that verse right there and just have that as a focus point for a week, for a month, for a year, for a lifetime. Powerful. It will center you on joy to have joy. Deep trust in God that enables you to take courageous steps into whatever he's calling you to do, from the little things to the big things. Can you trust God deeply with your life, with your kids, with your family, with your finances, with every aspect of your life? Can you trust him deeply? You know, too often we can try and control things ourselves, but... When we kind of let go and really trust God deeply and go, you know what? It's because of our trust in him that we're completely filled with joy. Another one is focused thoughts. You know, what you focus on in powerful, what you think about shapes you. It changes you. And if we look at this classic verse, you've probably heard it before in Philippians 4, 4, about 4 to 9. The context of this passage is actually a pretty harsh disagreement. So that's what's going on. And after that, there's this instruction to always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Then it talks about some other things. And then in verse 8, it kind of lands with this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, 
and worthy of praise. So what are you thinking about? What are are the things that captures your thoughts the most? When we have this intentionality in our thought process and we actually choose to think about things that align with God's truth, things that are excellent, worthy, admirable, it actually changes our whole mood in the sense that we actually recognize grace, we recognize God working, and that brings joy. Focus thoughts. What do you find yourself thinking about the most? And if we're honest, I mean, sometimes my self-talk can be a bit average and I meet with enough people to understand I'm not alone in that. When our self-talk, when our thoughts, when we're just thinking about all kinds of stuff are godly thoughts or align with his word, that brings a deep joy. What would it look like? You say, just for this week, you had a go-to focus for you. And the go-to focus was this verse that we've explored already. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. I absolutely guarantee you that will center you in joy. It has to. Because it recognizes God's grace in your life, which is rock solid, consistent. That doesn't change any time from now through all eternity. That's truth for you as you believe in Jesus. That recognition of grace, regardless of what's going on around you, will actually bring this foundation of joy. Another one is obedience. Now, too often when we think of obedience, what comes to mind? It's probably not very pretty, like discipline or getting in trouble. But what if you thought about obedience as centering you on joy? That's a completely different way of looking at a motivation to why you want to be obedient to things that God might be calling you to do. Check this out in John 15 from verse 9. It says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. This is Jesus talking. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obeyed my father's commandments and remained in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. That puts a completely different spin on why I'd want to choose obedience, to love God, love others, love myself. Obedience will center you on joy. In fact, there's a promise here that your joy will overflow. There'll be other people that will benefit from your joy as we choose that. Another one is kindness. Have you ever thought of that? You've probably seen that. Psalm 41.1, this short little phrase that says, Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. You do something for someone else, it changes you. You have this act of kindness for the benefit of someone else with no strings attached, just from a, from a point of love. It actually brings a joy in your spirit. It's more blessed to give than receive. And I've loved seeing that in this time of isolation. There's been this kind of momentum and wave of kindness of looking out for our neighbours, of actually providing things or helping people. It's, it's quite incredible. I think our culture is changing. As Keith Farmer said in his messages, of a more kinder culture. 
I've heard counsellors say, on many occasions, one of the best things you can do if you're feeling down or depressed is to do something for someone else and it actually changes your spirit. So just a few ways to go, how can I practically centre myself in joy? Can I encourage you maybe to choose one of those this week and practice it intentionally, write out a plan. How am I going to actually follow through on that and put it in your diary Write it out. Talk to someone about it. Have some accountability. Hey, this is what I'm just experimenting with this week. I'd love you to ask me how I, how I went with that. Because I really believe if we can center ourselves on joy, it is literally life-changing. I mean, that's the next question. What's, what difference does it make to my life? Well, if you're not convinced yet, I totally believe that life in the kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and so much more that's revealed in God's word. It's actually life-changing. As Andrew said, it's like an adventure we're invited into. But life is this full spectrum of, of extreme highlights and deep valleys and everything in between. Here is the difference maker. Here is the difference that joy makes in your life. And it's a biblical truth and a biblical principle that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is your strength. It's like this secret weapon that is already within us because of the Holy Spirit as believers in Jesus. And if you don't believe in Jesus yet, today could be the day where that happens for you. and The Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. We can have this strength, this spiritual strength, this literally supernatural strength to live life with. Now, I don't know about you, but I need that. I want that. I desire that. I want to keep centering myself on that joy so I can live with this strength. And it's about grace recognized, recognized in your life. I need strength in my life to lead myself, to lead my family, to lead anything that God calls me to do. Man, I need that kind of strength. Joy is your secret weapon for life. It's your secret weapon for strength, a real strength, not, not this kind of willpower, not just striving after something, a deep strength from the inside out that's from the Holy Spirit's within you. It's powerful. Psalm 28, 7, I love it. It says this, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. Bring that on. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Joy is your strength. It makes a massive difference to your life. There's, a few, there's lots of examples. Here's just a couple. Nehemiah, if you look at the book of Nehemiah, it's a great book. I'm not going to share much of that, but the story is around this. You know, God's people were about 70 years in exile. They went back to Jerusalem. The city was in ruins. They rebuilt the temple, but the whole walls were, were just a mess, totally destroyed. Talk about life not being pretty. You could look at anything around them and, and, and not have joy. Anyway, Nehemiah, he left his official position and went and actually inspired people to rebuild the walls, walls of Jerusalem. It took him 52 days. Done. In 52 days. Incredible. After that, for seven days, they gathered the people around all together so they could read God's word and proclaim it. And so from morning to midday, someone would read God's word. And what was interesting, every time they opened, opened God's word, people stood 
They stood out of reverence and expectation that God's word was going to be spoken. Man, I wish that was in our culture today. Anytime God's word, imagine that, we just stand. Anyway, they did that for seven days. After seven days, it says this in Nehemiah 8.10. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected or sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's word and understood them. You see, it's grace recognised. It's God's work in action recognised. What about this one? Habakkuk from the Old Testament again, another of God's prophet. And he was just expressing this confusion about God. What are you up to? There's wickedness, there's injustice, and it looks like you're doing nothing. But he learned this powerful lesson and it became this one of the strongest affirmations of faith in the Bible. It became this public confession that really took hold. And my hope is today, even in this climate that we find ourselves is, that this kind of expression takes hold in our spirit. Check this out as we come to a close. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19 says this, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, And there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. And even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure footed as a deer, able to tread upon The heights. If I could encourage you with anything today, it's the heart of this proclamation that come from Habakkuk. That even though, and whatever your even though is, that if we recognise grace and engage with God, we can with integrity say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You know, it's funny, it brings back memories for me for a long time ago, back at this little church at Hardy's Bay, which became Coast Community Church. And I remember we used to sing these words in a song and it was called Scripture in Song. And, you know, the worship leader would say, we're going to sing a chorus. And, you know, as a, as a, as a young kid, I'd you know, listen to these words, you know, and we're singing the fig trees have no blossoms and thinking, what are we singing this for? And um, how different it is once you live life a little bit longer and you understand that in life there's lots of even though moments. And the times when God grows you the most and the times when joy is very evident is actually when you can say, even though, and actually acknowledge what life is like, and go, even though, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Yeah, there's been some even though moments in my life where I've probably felt the most joy, just that deep joy. Not, a, not necessarily a happiness, just that deep joy that God is with me, 
that he's working, that he's alive, and he will make a way. I want to ask you this morning, what's your even though moment? Even right now as you're watching, can you almost think of it, say it, declare it, acknowledge it, and almost package that and say, even though this is happening in my world, yet I choose to have joy in the Lord and that is my strength. You won't get it from anyone else. You won't get it from anything else. This kind of joy is radically life-changing and you can have it consistently, daily, if we choose to recognize grace and to live and center ourselves on that kind of joy. What difference does joy make? It makes all the difference in the world. Now and for eternity, we can live with that deep kind of joy. And I know I want to consistently, when things are getting out of whack, to remind myself, to center myself on joy. And we can do that. Therefore, that encouragement to always be joyful in the Lord is possible when we consistently come back and center ourselves on joy. Literally, it is your supernatural strength for life. That was the warning. It's literally life changing the way that you live. And I tell you what, you live like that, there'll be a ripple effect from you into all the people around you where people can see God at work and your personal testimony of joy in life will be a powerful evangelistic tool for people to lean in and experience God for themselves. That kind of stuff excites me. So can I encourage you this morning as we close to center yourself on joy in the Holy Spirit. It will give you a supernatural strength to keep coming back to joy, just to keep coming back because life will take you out of that, but it's always there. Just keep coming back consistently in all of your even though moments to rejoice and choose. I will live with strength. Now, just to conclude this morning, speaking of joy, can I just get you to picture this? Jesus experiences joy too. He experiences joy because he sees God at work in you and God at work in me. Grace recognized. He sees it. He is the catalyst for it. He made it all happen because he gave his life for you. But Jesus has deep joy because of you. And check this picture out as we close in Jude 24. It says this. You may have heard this, but picture this. It says, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. (laughs) What a picture. Can you picture that? Jesus himself bringing you as a believer of Jesus into the presence of God, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, with great joy. Because he sees you as without a single fault, because that's the truth and the good news of Jesus. He personally brings you with great joy before his Father. And when you look at the kind of Greek word that this great joy comes from, it's used to describe things like wild joy ecstatic delight and exhilaration. Can you imagine that? Jesus with wild joy 
this ecstatic delight and exhilaration to go, hey, here's, here's, one, of my, here's one of my friends. And I want to present him to you with great joy. What a picture. That's how Jesus feels about you. Powerful stuff, this joy. Tiny little word, three letters, jam-packed with rich meaning. So can I encourage you today that the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your supernatural weapon. It's a way to live life like no other. Can we pray about that? Father, I thank you that you have an invitation for every person to step into your kingdom and to live this good life. What an amazing invitation. God, thank you for the culture of your kingdom, of your family, of righteousness, goodness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Lord, today we just want to pause and actually recognize your grace in our life. And God, we're so thankful and thank you for the joy that that brings. I pray, God, right now in this moment that we would center ourselves on joy. And God, I pray that it would strengthen us. It would strengthen your people. Like nothing, anything else can. And God, I pray that by your spirit, you prompt us and that we would consistently live in a way where we come back to joy. We come back to recognizing your grace. We come back to joy and we center ourselves on you and your grace. God, I pray for all of us today, for anyone watching, Lord, that for anyone that has an even though moment, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you'd meet them right there in the complexity of life and in that situation And I pray, God, that there would be a very authentic declaration. Even though, whatever that is, yet I choose to rejoice in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I pray that would be real for every person, God. And Lord, for those of us that may be new to this faith thing, I pray that today you'd bring a revelation of your truth and your salvation, God. Lord, that picture of standing before you and being presented before you. God, I pray, Lord, for anyone watching that actually wants that complete forgiveness, completely cleared of sin, being presented before you, God, being made right with you. I pray that this day will be the day that there's a simple prayer of God. Thank you for your forgiveness. I invite you into my life, Holy Spirit. Help me to live with you this good life in your kingdom. So God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. I pray it will continue to come alive in our lives and actually center us on you and your joy. And may that be this amazing strength we live with each day, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.